Thanks so much, Neil. As Isaac has said, we're continuing our series in the book of Daniel, which tells of a time the nation of Israel was taken over by the empire of Babylon. Daniel and his friends were teenagers in Israel when they were carted off to a foreign land to undergo training in order to work for the king as advisors. Last week, Ed looked at how Daniel resolved to go against the flow, to take a stand against the prevailing hedonistic culture of Babylon, not for his own sake, but for God's glory. Ed helped us think about what we are called to take a stand against. But this week, we're going to be thinking about how to take a stand, how to deal with those tricky situations we find ourselves in so we honour others and honour God, and how we do it in the most effective and loving way. We've all had to deal with tricky situations at times. If you're a parent of a toddler, you will be well versed in the standoff about shoe wearing or broccoli eating. If you're a parent of teenagers, then the standoffs may be about different things, but they probably won't look too different to 10 years earlier. Although sadly now the naughty step has lost its power. Or you might be a manager and you need to confront a colleague about their behaviour. Or maybe you're an employee and need to confront your boss about their attitude. Or you might recognise that a friend's lifestyle is damaging their physical or mental health. Or maybe a family member who is making unwise relationship choices. Now there are two extreme approaches that can be taken to confrontation. Firstly, fuming with righteous indignation. We go in all guns blazing, feeling a need to win the argument. We might send off sniping emails or texts at the first sign of offence. Or perhaps out of a sense of fear of the direction the situation is going in, we just escalate the conflict right off the bat. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was like this. When someone said something he didn't like, he immediately threatened to have them executed. Obviously, that's the extreme of the extreme approach, but it illustrates the point. The other extreme approach is the opposite. Too scared of the possible consequences, we choose to ignore the situation. Perhaps feeling ill-equipped, we rationalise it and think, oh, it's none of my business, or who am I to judge? Or out of self-protection, we'd rather just avoid or sideline that person, even to the point of breaking off a friendship because we don't know how to take a stand. Both of these approaches are completely understandable and both are very common, but neither approach is very healthy. So let's look at what Daniel did. We can read of a number of sticky situations Daniel got into with King Nebuchadnezzar, as well as other kings who came after him. Neil has just explained one of those tricky situations where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and wanted it interpreted, but he refused to tell his wise men what the dream was. The wise men couldn't tell him, so he lost his temper, decided that all the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, should be executed. Let's read a section from verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put Daniel, the wise men of Babylon, to death, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Daniel had wisdom and tact, but wisdom and tact are not things you are born with. If you've ever had a four-year-old tell you that your nose is big or your hair is funny, you'll know what I mean. 
If you want to be more wise or to have more tact, then listen up to see how Daniel developed these traits. Firstly, Daniel recognised who God was and that he was in control. He recognised that God is sovereign. Let's read part of the prayer Daniel prayed once God had revealed the king's dream and interpretation to him. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge of, to the discerning. Daniel recognised that God is sovereign. God allows rulers to be in authority for a season and a reason, whether that's the president of a country or the manager of a department. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying all leaders are chosen by God, but that he allows leaders to be in place for a time and he promises to work through all situations for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But equally, God can at any time remove those in power. He removes rulers and puts others in their place. And he can change times and seasons. He can break into situations that are futile and turn them around. He can change the direction of an individual, a relationship, an organisation or a whole country. Our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's no less in charge when the world seems in chaos. He is ultimately in control. I've held on to these verses in prayer many times over the last couple of years as I've read the news and, and particularly in this time of pandemic. We live in stressful and chaotic times. If you take nothing else away from this talk, take this. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And Daniel, Daniel recognised the truth that God is sovereign. Daniel didn't respond out of fear or anxiety. He responded out of confidence in God, which is why Daniel prayed. Paul says in Ephesians 6, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we believe that God is sovereign, let's act like it. Let's not confront physically until we've confronted spiritually. In other words, let's pray first. There is a confrontation in prayer to be had. Let's not automatically take things into our own hands, but let's pray that God's kingdom will come and his will be done. This is relevant in our family roles, our work roles, as well as our roles as global citizens. Just this week, Ed had noticed that this year, Sudan had dropped off the list of the 10 most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. He did a bit of reading and discovered that in Sudan, over the last year, Christian and Muslim leaders have signed a declaration to work together to promote the religious freedom. There's been a repeal of the death penalty for leaving Islam and eight church leaders have been acquitted of charges against them. How amazing is that? In a country full of conflict, God's kingdom is advancing. Daniel might not have fully understood the picture of the rock from the king's dream, but we can know that it's Jesus, God's son, who continues to break down strongholds and earthly powers even in the most desolate and desperate of situations, we can be praying with confidence that the kingdom of God, through the power of Jesus, will come and his will be done. 
if we're about to argue with our child or partner, or we're going to send a critical email or text or post a complaint on social media, or even turn a blind eye to a situation, let's first pause and pray. Let's be quick to confront spiritually. So in order to have wisdom and tact in difficult situations like Daniel, we firstly need to recognise God's sovereignty and then respond in prayer. And boy, did Daniel need that wisdom and tact a number of years later when he was called to confront Nebuchadnezzar in a much more difficult and delicate way. If we skip ahead to chapter 4, we'll see King Nebuchadnezzar had another dream around 20 years later. It was a dream about a huge tree being cut down. He asked Daniel to interpret it, but it was going to be a difficult message to deliver. Daniel understood the dream was a heavenly message about the consequences that Nebuchadnezzar would face because of the way he was treating the people and thinking he was God. Now this was an all-powerful king who had a short temper. Daniel had already faced the threat of execution at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar once before. This was the trickiest of tricky situations to deal with. But Daniel recognised that it was God alone who was sovereign. Daniel had resolved all those years before to trust God. He'd lived a life of consistency and integrity, following God and praying to him. So he was ready to take a stand and confront the king. But there's one more key to handling conflict that we can learn from this part of Daniel's life. Let's read verse 19 from chapter 4. Then Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. He then goes on to interpret the king's dream to tell him he will lose his kingdom and his mind until he acknowledges that God is sovereign. Delivering this interpretation to the king was dicey enough for a king who wasn't afraid of shooting the messenger, literally. Daniel could have left it there, but Daniel actually goes on to say, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Daniel could have stopped after he had interpreted the king's dream. He'd done his job. He'd said enough to obey the king's command. But instead, he tells the king to stop sinning. He calls him out and tells him to stop doing wicked things. And I think the reason for this was Daniel loved. He cared about the king. The Amplified Translation gives verse 19 as then Daniel was appalled and speechless for a while because he was deeply concerned about the destiny of the king and his thoughts alarmed him. Daniel was deeply concerned for Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't confront the king because he felt he was right and the king was wrong. He didn't do it to win an argument. He did it because he cared. He did it in love. And that has to be our single motivating factor if we're going to confront others. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let love be your highest goal. 
Daniel's aim was to reconcile Nebuchadnezzar to God and reconciliation should be what we are aiming for. Loving, gentle and humble confrontation in the context of relationship is what helps people get back on the right path. Confrontation driven by anger or frustration or fear is going to just exasperate it. Confrontation without love or relationship is ineffective. It's why our midweek small groups and prayer triplets are so important because that's where we're doing life with other believers. And when we do life with other people, with other believers, that's when our marriages get better. It's when we learn to parent our children together. It's where our mental health improves and we, where we can press into the deeper things of God. So Daniel recognised that God was sovereign. He responded in prayer and motivated by love, he then confronted the king. And if we read to the end of chapter 4, we'll see that Daniel's actions had an impact on Nebuchadnezzar. It took him seven years, but eventually he did change his evil ways and acknowledge that God was sovereign and not him. And I wonder if there's some people listening today who have tricky situations they've been handling perhaps for years. Maybe a family member who's rejecting God. Maybe a difficult work situation or a tricky relationship. Maybe you've even completely given up and want to wash your hands of the whole thing. And I think God wants to encourage you to keep trusting him, to keep praying and to keep being open to his promptings. I also wonder whether there are those listening today who recognise that some of their responses to others have been less prompted by love and more by frustration or hurt or fear. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand if you're able while we pray. Let's pray. Father God, we recognise that you are all powerful and we recognise that you are all good. We invite you to come by your Holy Spirit now into our homes, into our lives, into our hearts. Please renew our faith in you. Remove any fear. We reject any anger we have towards others. Please heal the hurts of our past and fill us with your love so that we can love others like you love us. Amen.